I traveled 369,484,278,025 miles for Reese's Pieces. So he buys quite a few to take back with him. He says his mother loves the out-of-this-world peanut butter taste of Reese's Pieces, and so does his cousin. Reese's Pieces. Welcome, dear listeners, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. One day, little Rick was returning home late, so he decided to cut through the spooky forest. When he got partway into the forest, he realized eyes were on him, so he started going faster and faster to flee the eyes that had been chasing him. So he ran home, opened his door, slammed it shut, and went to bed. The next morning, when he woke and went outside to go to school, he saw scratched into the door, Random Banter. Random Banter, buddy. How you been? What's going on? Well, remember how earlier I said that, you know, this is going to be a full episode and we should, like, you know... Cut stuff? Cut stuff. I can't cut that because that's just too beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say that uh, in between when we recorded this, or when we recorded the last episode and this one, I had the opportunity to sit down with a couple of different people at a local establishment. I had a chance to meet up with Nicholas from Comic Reflections and the Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Network. I also got to meet with Sean from Radioactive Geek. And we met at the Nerd Out, and all three gentlemen were absolutely entertaining and enjoyable. That's good. I'm really glad that you were able to go to that. I uh, I have to admit, I'm jealous that you were able to go because I couldn't because I had to do family-oriented stuff, which involved uh, our dishwasher exploding and needing to be replaced. So I was at a store hunting dishwashers. That is a valid excuse. It was really something neat to be able to meet up and talk to other people who are what I consider experts in this (laughs) podcasting field, and they know their stuff, and they know the comic books, and it was just quite enjoyable to meet with them and talk to them and get some ideas so how about you what's up with you well as i had already said my dishwasher decided to vomit its life away so um getting a new dishwasher yay that's fun uh but otherwise i have a book recommendation Ooh. yes and it's one that you will be very familiar with because you recommended it as well it is cardboard kingdom by chad sell (laughs) rick loaned me his copy and it is amazing it is the softest most gentlest message of inclusion i have ever read and it was just a lot of fun i really really liked it that is on everybody's top of list you see a lot of people mentioning it see a lot of people talking about it you see a lot of kids dressed up in cardboard it is pretty spectacular and awesome i haven't seen that but that's cool yeah that's really cool Really short on random banter so we can get into this crazy X-Men issue. Yeah, it's going to be meaty, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Meaty. Jeff, can you please give us the two-sentence replay from the last episode? The Power Children have to go back into the sewers to retrieve their abandoned book bags, only to be kidnapped by Morlocks. Twice. They get kidnapped twice, and they probably would have been a third time as well. Lucky for them, the X-Men Shadowcat and Nightcrawler are there to deliver some mail. So, after some punching, they threaten to tell on the Morlocks if they don't let the children go, which the Morlocks do. So, yay? Yeah? Yeah? Now that the threat of tattling stops kidnappings, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend, for this fun little episode, Uh I found something dark. Darkest Hour Imperial Stout. 
Stout. Oh, I gotta look at this bottle. Anchorage Brewing Company. It has got an owl on it, and there's wheat, and there's an eyeball. That's odd. And the story on it is ale brewed with summit hops, aged in a mix of different kinds of whiskey barrels. Enjoy. It's not much of a story. Oh, there's whole stuff on back, but we're not gonna do that. That's this is cool. This is 13% ABV. Oh, hello. Yes. So twice what we normally get. 40 IBU. Summit hops, triple fermented. First with Belgian yeast, second with Pinot Noir and rye whiskey barrels, finally with wine yeast and natural carbonation. Hmm, I'm looking forward to this. This is, okay, yeah, we're, okay, yeah, the issue's name is It's a Dark and Stormy Night, and we've got a Darkest, darkest hour. hour. That blends in nice, that so good is, choice. That is a straight-up recommendation. Hello, whiskey barrel. Uh, yeah, go ahead and just check out that. I saw the price tag on it. <laughs> From John's Market, where Rick goes and gets beer to share with me. And are we sharing the price? Sure. Yeah, this is a uh, $24 bottle of beer. So it's a the, bomber. I thought this would be a nice one for our first non-power pack comic. Yeah, this one is a crossover issue. This is an X-Men, uncanny X-Men issue. So, so salute. Cheers. Ooh, Whoa. That is very, very smooth. I mean, you cannot get any darker than this. No, in fact, that is... In fact, I think the light seemed to have dimmed when we poured this beer. I don't... Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that. That is uh, absolutely true. <laughs> uh, there is a, the, the foam on the top is a nice brown color, so even mm -hmm. that turned dark. Um, yeah, no, for, no, not very much foam on it either. Um, as far as... I mean, for mm -hmm. being a heavy whiskey, wow. I, we can smell this. Yeah. I think that your baby can smell this upstairs. Yeah. It's smooth. She's her mother's daughter, so she's licking her lips at the thought of the whiskey in this. Yum. So uh, we shall be drinking Darkest Hour tonight. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna do uh, any reading. I'm just gonna drink this beer. You good with that? <laughs> yeah. No okay. kidding. <laughs> We're just all right. That was the episode. We're drinking. We're, beer we're gonna drink beer for the rest of the night. Mm. And now the opening credits, if you please. The Uncanny X Men issue 195, July 1985. It was a dark and stormy night. Credits. Writer. Chris Claremont. Artists, John Romato Jr. and Dan Green. Letterer, Tom Orzachowski. Colorist, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Ann Nascenti. Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring, oh boy, hang on tight, The X-Men. Kitty Pride, a.k.a. Shadowcat, 15-year-old mutant and youngest X-Men. She has the power to face, causing her body to become intangible. She can walk through walls and stuff. Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. Really, do I need to tell you guys who Wolverine is? Fine. Heightened senses like smell and hearing, insane healing, and has three claws in each hand that can be retracted. These claws are adamantium, and all of his bones are covered in the same stuff. Rogue. Super strength, endurance, flight, and can steal powers and memories if she touches another person's skin. Rachel Summers, a young woman from the future. She has powerful telepathic and telekinetic powers. Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. G. Oldest power sibling, increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches, voiced by me. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling, flies really fast, leaves a rainbow trail behind her, voiced by my wife. Jack Power, a.k.a. Massmaster, second youngest power sibling, controls his molecular density, voiced by Jeff. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, youngest power sibling, disintegrates matter, turning it into energy, which he can expel into power balls, voiced by my daughter. Jim and Maggie Power, the power kids' parents who have no clue about their kids' powers. <sighs> <laughs> Are we done with the intro yet? No. The Morlocks. Callisto. Stand-in leader for the Morlocks. Heightened reflexes and senses. Anna Lee. Empath who can project her feelings on others. Mask. Can modify a person's features by touch. Erg. Absorbs and expels energy. 
ape can modify his body to anything others can think of. Tar- I mean tape. Tape is not this character's name, but is what we renamed this problematic character. His body is covered in a tar-like substance. Leech, a very young child. Physically mutated green body with no hair, cancels the powers of anyone he is around. <sighs> it was a dark and stormy night. Wait, nope, stop. Before we start, we need to talk about the cover of this issue and the issues we have with the cover. You know what? You're right. We really do need to talk about the cover of this one, so go for it. Alright. First off, we don't talk enough about the covers of the books we review. But I want to say that we like and hate this one. We like it because of the action elements of it. Wolverine holding Katie up by the shirt, other fists back, claws out, smoking a cigarette in his mouth, the other kids flying up to stop him. Yep, Katie is about to receive Wolvie's three-finger death punch and the threat is palatable. Now, some reasons to dislike the cover. First, Wolverine looks strange. Well, stranger. His proportions are off, and his features are... Eh, they just don't look good. And this scene does not happen, and really would never happen. It's a lie. It's a big, old, pants-on-fire lie, and reflects nothing of the issue other than that Wolverine is in it, so you should buy it. It was a cheap ploy, and it bothers us. And the teal color is icky. That's the problem I have. Teal? <laughs> not on my cover of an X-Men book. <clears throat> Well, it's on that cover, and that's my X-Men book, so yeah. So why do you have this on your phone as a screen lock, then? Well, because it's got Wolverine and Power Pack on it. Duh. Moving on. It was a dark and stormy night. Seriously, lightning, rain, thunder. This ain't no smash fiction lightning round. This is the real scary stuff. So bad that all of the kids have piled into their parents' bed. Ba-boom! Which wakes everybody up. All the kids start to do that nervous chatter thing, except Katie, who is saying... The rest of the kids start to diagnose the weather and how close the lightning is. The parents, though. Well, this is odd. Maggie is awkwardly comforting Katie, but is looking at Jim with a confused look. And then she asks the kids who they are. Followed by James asking how they got into their apartment. The kids' faces in this panel are amazing. You have shock, confusion, fear. Katie is crying while the older kids are telling their parents to quit kidding them. We live here! Sure is funny. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at how hard I'm laughing. Put a sock in it, Jack Power. This is no time for your smart mouth. But this couple is not kidding. This is Jim and Maggie Power, but they do not have children, and they don't know who these kids are. It is in times like this that I, much like the Power Kids, just resort to a good old standby. What's that? Panic! Pure panic! Can we take a moment to appreciate how horrific this setup is? Four kids finding out that their parents don't know them, and as they quickly find by searching their apartment, none of their stuff is there. All of it's gone. All memory, all proof of existence, gone. Alex laments that his Disney cup is missing. This hits him hard. Being the oldest, it was the one thing left from when it was just him and his parents. Speaking of a confused couple, they are remaining remarkably calm as these four kids are rummaging around their apartment. As they start to consider calling child services, the kids pull a Batman as Jack becomes a literal smoke pellet. He is like thrown to the ground and the rest of the kids run away quickly. Or Kaiser Sose, just like that. They were gone. Pull a Casper. Body slide by four. TARDIS, out of here. Hit 88 miles per hour. Ninjas, vanish. Options? One. Bolt? Bingo. Moving on, they run to their super's door. Bam, 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 bam. After waking up this confused guy, it is confirmed that no one in this building knows who they are. And they make like a mob of Monty Python knights and... Run, run away! Run away! 
and Kool-Aid Man a hole in the side of the building to escape. Shabam! Oh yeah! Hey kids, I know this is the Twilight Zone, but how about you not cause unnecessary damage to your home when you, like, know every exit out of the place? The power couple in the Super Super call the police who are rolling, rolling, rolling through the rain-soaked streets, searching for the sad siblings. The sodden and sniffling superheroes have found a dry patch of alley to huddle in, cold and scared, crying in their PJs. In fact, Katie says that her teeth are chattering so hard from the cold that one of them is coming loose. Oh man, I'm looking forward to the next multi-issue sub-story arc that I shall entitle Loose Tooth 2, The Wiggling Returns. As they argue about what to do and how cold they are, Katie speaks up. Will our costumes keep us warm and dry? Oh, right. They are superheroes. Scared and forgetful ones, but superheroes nonetheless. So, with a forceful... Costumes on! A new sudsy costuming sequence occurs. They were afraid that costuming on would not work, cementing the fear that they are forgotten. But it does work. And this gets them thinking about Friday. And when they think about Friday, they think about Friday's gender and argue about it for a bit. Which is obviously the most important thing that they could be doing right now. Right? Yeah. Realizing that this argument will have to wait until after they solve their other current mystery, they decide to contact Friday and get some help. Now we find out the consequences from Power Pack number 11. Remember when Julie decided that reading the washing instructions on the costumes was not a good idea? Remember Alex dumping detergent on the floor? Remember when they had a washing machine in a home with parents that remembered them? Pepperidge Farm remembers. The communicator does not seem to be working, and Julie posits that it was probably her washing the costumes. <laughs> you think? As the kids start thinking about how everyone could forget them, Alex remembers that just hours ago, they met a Morlock called Beautiful Dreamer, who can change memories through cancer smoke. And she was friends with that creepy Anna Lee. You know, the lady that wanted to kidnap them and alter their memories with said cancer smoke. Well, detective powers activate and power pack away. They burst out of the alley with Jack forming a syncumulus. That is, a being whose lower body is a cloud and whose upper body is that of a young boy. We've never seen this before, and my personal opinion is that unless he spent the karma to get this as a power feat, that his torso should hit the ground with a meaty thud. But that is a pretty dark thing, and the panel we are given looks pretty good as an action scene, so I'll just chalk it up to an artist's interpretation of the character. They debate whether they should take care of the problem alone, or if they should get their friends like the X-Men or Spider-Man or Cloak and Dagger. I would go with X-Men since it is their book. Nah, it'd be more funny or ironic if they were like, you know who needs to be in this issue with us? The Avengers. The Avengers. <laughs> the X-Men won't take offense at that. No. Yeah. They then realize they have no idea how to contact any of those superheroes, so they just take off to the nearest manhole cover to confront the gutter gangs while the rain pours down on them. This is a great idea, as they've had so much fun and luck the last two times that they came down here alone. In fact, Julie can't contain her exuberance and gets the family cheer wagon rolling. I hate the sewers! Watch out for rat! Equer! Jack Power, you're a wicked, mean, rotten, nasty, evil little beast! Alex, Jack and Julie are fighting. Yep, this group is definitely ready to take on anything as a team. Okay, I need to point out one thing that is bothering me. Chris Claremont, the man known for inserting accents into his writing style in every character's mouth, has put an affectation on Katie Power. He is abbreviating her words, kind of in the way that a small child would not enunciate certain sounds. This is fine, I guess, but it does not match the voice and intelligence that Louise Simonson has given to the characters. I agree. I think what she's saying is fine, but not how she's saying it. It does provide a little unevenness to how they are being shown in the hands of another creator. Moving back into the story, we see an almost identical repeat of the last issue. The kids are attacked by mutated turtles? Well, wait, no, well, 
They were attacked by four mutated humans, so technically that would be almost identical. Remember how the Morlocks were warned that they are not to kidnap surface dwellers? Remember how the X-Men said that the Power Children were sacrosanct and that Storm and Callisto would have to be told about their actions? Pepperidge Farm remembers, but apparently the Morlocks forgot. Yep, the kids instantly get jumped by almost the same group of Morlocks from Power Pack 12. Ape aggressively applies an arm around Alex. Erg engages everyone with an eerie eye. Tape traps two terrified tots, Julie and Jack. Jack, who for some reason stopped being a cloud just long enough to be grabbed. But instead of Piper, Katie is meanly managed by Mask. Piper is the smartest, as he actually took the threat of tattling seriously. Alex gives the order for Katie to run. I won't leave you, Alex. Let my big brother go, you great big ugly ape. And she lets off a couple of powerballs, which Erg easily absorbs as he elbows and accidentally knocks out Jack, who again, is still not a cloud for some reason. Clonk. Katie resorts to some excellent Three Stooges martial arts and heel stomps Mask's bandage-wrapped foot. Stomp. And runs away, but not before Mask dials in an allusion to Ma Bell by reaching out and touching her face. That was a stretch. Yeah, I know. You can't see Katie's face, but there is skin stretching. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I was saying your metaphor was a, you know what, I'm just going to hang up on this joke. Snap, dude. I think you meant to say click dial tone. By the way, this is either bad leadership or storytelling. The one who should be directed to run and escape is Jack. He can cloud and fly. He's the most mobile and untouchable. I think they just wanted this to be a Katie book. Therefore, they took out Jack with his, what, 13th concussion? We really should go back and count. I think if we did, it would just be disturbing, because that kid, is, he's going to be forgetting his phone number when he's about 15. He's like, I... What? Concussion? I don't... America's a state? What? I don't know my phone number anymore. That's why I got a cell phone. Yeah, that's why everybody has a cell phone. Why remember <laughs> anything when you can just let things do it for you? Remember, why do a thing when you can just quit a thing? <laughs> that's a that's a callback right there. So Katie is running away by herself in a dark subway. She has an amazing narration here as she's running, complaining that her face feels funny when suddenly... Rumble clinkity! A subway train shoots by the crying Katie as she starts calling for her mommy, enlisting all of the things she hates about the sewers, even begging Whitey to just make her normal and take her powers back. A cop discovers our young hero and tries to calm her down, which earns him a less than lethal powerball to his, well, everything. Dang, girl! The cop is laid out, his chest smoking, but still alive. Still alive, still alive. Katie mentioned she is glad that she wasn't too powered up, or we would have a homicide to deal with as well. I would like to say that this was a bad night for a night transit patrolman, but, you know, Stan has legal rights to that. Instead, let's switch scenes to a certain exceptional school off of Greymalkin Lane in Westchester County, New York. This is the X-Mansion, home of the X-Men, owned by Charles Xavier. X Actly. It is morning, and a tired Kitty Pride is grumbling about her lack of sleep, a scheduled training session with Wolverine, her studying for a midterm, and the research paper she needs to finish for Dr. Power's physics class. Wait, what? Yep, Kitty is taking a course taught by Power Pack's dad. Because in the Marvel Universe, coincidence is the secondary mutation for every superhero. A news report on the discovery of a new mutant catches her ear, as the broadcaster breaks all ethics rules as they show Kitty Power's face on TV, and also speculate that she is a member of the outlaw band of the X-Men. Although, wait... That is not Katie Power. I mean, look at her. Her face is all messed up. Yeah, apparently Katie did not leave her tussle with mask unscathed. She was totally scathed. Kitty recognizes Katie more from the costume than the face, but she's a bright young lady, and she puts the pieces together instantly. Mask and the Morlocks are involved, those ne'er-do-wells. And you know what that means. Yep, 
It means it's time for the X-Men to break some laws. Hooray! Hooray! Meanwhile, at St. Elsewhere... Really? No. Katie is being watched, guarded, and confined to a hospital bed as Dr. House and some of his associates are outside her door commenting on how ugly she is and that it might be a symptom of lupus. It's not lupus! Well, it's also not really a house, but it is a doctor with the same horrible bedside manners. But rising up from the floor is salvation. Batman? What? No. Kitty! Luckily, if your power set includes phasing through floors and walls, then sneaking into a hospital and stealing small children is really easy. She is continually rolling nat 20s on stealth rolls. And if she is really stealing children, she's rolling natural ones on her morality check. She carries our sad little girl to a lower storage area and introduces her to the rest of her team, Rogue, Rachel, and Wolverine. Katie is cuddled into Kitty's shoulder, just unloading about what has been happening. She's scared about going to jail for using her powers. She's alone. She doesn't have her brothers or sisters, her mommy, her daddy. Kitty promises everything she'll be okay. I love this interaction. Wolverine informs Kitty that the coast is clear, and Katie whispers that she thinks that he is scary. We all do, kid. But you get used to him. After all, he is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is scare small children. Rachel lets Katie know that there's nobody better to have on her side. Then she explains to the crying kiddo about her telepathic powers. With Katie's permission, and after promising that none of the X-Men will share any of her secrets, Rachel links everybody's mind and does a quick download of the lowdown, from uptown to downtown to the town way, way underground. Telepathy, for all your pre-90s Napster needs. After our mutant heroes digest all of the horrible events that have happened to this five-year-old, and Kitty threatens to say some naughty words in anger, she again promises to Katie that they will get her family back. And she gives Katie her own personal X-Men jacket, making her an honorary X-Men. I mean, as a kid, I was ready for my family to be taken so I could have that jacket. Heck, I'd do it now. Oh no, my family's been taken. Uh, can I get my coat now in a 2XL? It is time to leave because Wolverine is doing what he does best, which is hearing alarms go off. Apparently, the highly trained staff at this hospital has finally realized their chained up charge has checked out. It's pretty cool that on this mission, Kitty's been put in charge. Normally at this time, Storm was the leader of the X-Men, but she and the backup leader Nightcrawler are not available. Wolverine, who would be a logical choice, and the other two members are pushing the youngest X-Men into the leadership role, which is pretty awesome. Kitty Pryde has always been written as an aware, intelligent, strong-willed woman, and she is exceptionally represented in this story. Ah, I know what's happening here. What's that? Well, Wolverine says that it is time for Shadowcat to start racking up some experience. So, what they are doing is trying to level her up. They figured out that the easiest way to do this would be to rep grind the Power Pack faction for XP. It is a quest line that is easier to get to, say, than the Kree Scroll War. And the stakes are a lot lower. As an added bonus, Kitty has already started in the previous episode. That makes sense. Well, if you're a gamer, it makes sense. Right now, there's plenty of people who are out there at home listening and just nodding their head. And hey, speaking of non-sequiturs... Confession time, dude. When you were a young kid reading these comics, who did you have a crush on? Oh, that's actually a good question. I've been uh, thinking about this, and it's kind of like uh, Mary Jane, because I read a lot of Spider-Man, so Mary Jane was pretty great. Uh, Jean Grey, also... Kind of a, you know, my X-Men crush. I uh, guess that's kind of saying I like redheads. But then as a non-redhead, I really liked uh, Felicia Hardy, uh, the black cat. Nice. Well, how about you? Kitty Pride, definitely. But I would have been incredibly intimidated by her. Yet, I am sure she would have been very friendly and easy to talk to. And that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Back to this story. After phasing out of the hospital and making it to the Morlock Caves, Kitty is out doing reconnaissance. Katie is waiting with Rogue, Rachel, and Wolverine, and is doing some big-time complaining about the filthy sewers and about the horrible things she has done with her power. Including disintegrating her grandpa's oboe. I said horrible things, not saving humanity from ear-splitting noises. I thought being 
Energizer would be fun. We'd have neat adventures, like Luke Skywalker. But this isn't. Wolverine does what he does best, which is to answer back by pointing out that Luke's adventures were not really neat. Who knew Wolverine was a Star Wars fan? I see him as being more of a Hidden Fortress fan. Deep cut, dude. Wolvie also points out that if it weren't for her, the Earth would have been destroyed by her father's machine. Apparently, Rachel did a deep, deep dive download earlier. He also gives some amazing adult advice, not sugarcoating it. The hardest part about growing up, Katie, is understanding, accepting that every action is a mix of both good and bad. It ain't nice sometimes, but that's a way of things. He also tells her that his friends call him Logan. Aww. Aww. Kitty comes back and phases him into a nearby tunnel that has been decorated to look like Katie and Julie's room. Also in the room are Julie, Jack, Alex, and Anna Lee. The kids are all sporting mangled faces like Katie's, and it looks like they have all been taken to the Hot Topic discard pile. Yep, they be rocking that sick Morlock punk fashion. That's right. Anna Lee, who wanted her beautiful darlings, immediately had Mask fugly them up and dress them like they were going to the county fair. Julie's wearing a tube top for Spidey's sake. Why do we say Spidey's sake here? Because his name's Pete. Annalise is demanding the X-Men hand over her child. Before the X-Men can react, an upset underage urchin unleashes a couple of Powerballs. Shut up, you're not my mother! Bada-boom! Katie's unwise use of her power has wrecked a wall, revealing a range of rowdy rascals. These Morlocks just see a team of the X-Men attacking one of their own. Let's get ready to rumble! We should mention that the other three power kids have had their minds altered, so Julie's first action is to grab Katie and fly her to Annalie, who she believes is their mother. Wolverine is doing what he does best, which is fighting an angry mob at the moment, but he accidentally grabs Alex and pauses, not wanting to injure the boy. Alex drops a G and throws Wolverine up to the ceiling. Ha! Wolverine got owned by a kid. He is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is get thrown into a horde of angry mutants. Rogue is trying to be gentle as she pummels the sewer squatters. She quickly realizes that they need some room, so she constructs a new door with her fists. Whammo! Let's hear that sweet sound effect again. Whammo! Unfortunately, Leech takes this moment to play with the big boys. As Rogue steps out of this new hole, Leech jumps on her back and grabs her face. Now, let's review some power sets for these two characters. Leech cancels out powers. Normally, this should knock out Rogue's strength, durability, flight, and her ability to absorb powers. Unfortunately, when they touch, a weird thing happens. They cancel each other out. For the young Leech, this also knocks him out. Rogue is momentarily dazed, but is left without powers. And a whole lot of Morlocks, who are mostly happy because they do not like Leech, are ready for a fight. And after her untimely demise, they will kill Leech and blame it on her. But here's the thing. Rogue doesn't like being framed, and she's a very special case. Chunt! She's not only trained with some amazing fighters. Tunch! But over time, she has absorbed and retained some amazing fighting skills. Spack! She's doing just fine. Thank you very much. Swack! So are Wolverine and Kitty, although Kitty is not allowing Wolverine to use his claws. Which is what Wolverine does best. At least, until Kitty takes them through a wall to the main hall, where Julie has taken Kitty and has rallied the rest of the Morlocks to fight the X-Men. Kitty expresses her feelings that she wishes there was another way, and Wolverine points out that it is because of those feelings that she is a good leader. Kitty leaves the scene as Wolverine pops his claws so he can do what he does best, which isn't very nice. Snick, snick. You're really happy that your daughter recorded those, aren't you? I feel like I'm a good parent who has made some good parenting choices. Aww. Julie has pulled Katie into another side tunnel with Anna Lee, Mask and Beautiful Dreamer. They're prepared to finish their collection of the Power Pack collectible playing cards by changing Katie's memories. How does Katie feel about this? No! 
That checks out. The mind-altered Julie starts this absolute mental gaslighting by asking, Don't you love us anymore? Katie, don't you want to be with Jack and Alex and me? Katie ain't buying it. She's screaming that Annalie is not her mother, and caps it by saying, You're a mean, wicked, evil witch, and I hate you. Snap! Before Mask can attack the yelling youngster, Shadowcat shows up and points out the hypocrisy of this situation. She wonders if this terror that Annalie is putting Katie through is similar to what happened before her own children were slaughtered. The results are the same, the destruction of innocent lives. I love Louise Simonson, but Chris Claremont can really write some digging dialogue and profound prose. Annalie collapses at this oratorial onslaught, but Mask pulls off an impressively scary lunge at the children to finish what he started. Only to be stopped by the arrival of Callisto. The one-eyed leader of the Morlocks demands an explanation and starts sorting out the chaos. Later, the three mind-turned munchkins are seen physically restored and being tended to by a beautiful dreamer, apparently returning their rightful memories. Callisto is issuing orders faster than John Hannibal Smith, demanding that everyone's memories be restored and all the furniture returned. And she decrees, under no uncertain terms, that the Power Kids are off-limits. This is the last warning, and if Annalie breaks it, she'll have to face Callisto in a trial by combat. Dang, these guys are real old school on punishment. Yep, you step out of line, they do not send you to a corner. It's a full-on, power-in-use fight to the death. Which is what Annalie wants. This old lady is done. She wants to be at peace. She is ready for the ring and to die in combat to be with her lost babies. Katie is actually moved by this. She does not agree with what Annalie did or how she did it, but she can see the pain and loss the grieving mother has for her children. And Katie is a caring soul. Katie actually hugs Annalie, telling her that she should not do this. It is effectively committing suicide. Katie tells her that doing any of this would be wrong, and the little girl that Annalie lost would never think her mom was so cruel. And then, Katie offers Annalie another option. The power kids will be her honorary grandkids. Sure, why not? They already have a space horse as an honorary grandfather. These kids give out honorary positions faster than popes in the Middle Ages gave out papal plenary indulgence. Wow, that is an interesting simile. The other power kids take note of this as well. Is their younger sister really speaking for all of them? As Jack is winding up to make a sarcastic comment, he is threatened by Julie, who thinks that it is a sweet idea, with a backup from Alex. This leaves Jack at a loss, and me without a funny voice line to say. And as this issue wraps up, we hear this from Katie. We could visit, and maybe you can come for Thanksgiving. Huh. That was not a setup for a future story or anything, was it? There are two more panels that delve into the X-Men's Secret Wars 2 story arc, specifically dealing with Magneto calling him back to the X-Mansion. But it does not impact Power Pack, so we'll wave goodbye to the X-Men and Chris Claremont for now. Bye! Bye. Next, we are back to Power Pack with Fireworks. Yay! Yay! That's issue 195 of The Uncanny X-Men. I want to start off by saying that if you would like to see another take on this issue, especially in the context of X-Men continuity, I really suggest that you check out Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men episode 41, Hated and Feared. Much of what we said, they said faster and better, but they focus a bit more on the X-Men and how this issue affects their continuity. And their show is delightful, and you should listen. What do you think about hearing another author write The Power Kids? Uh, I kind of like it just for the simple fact that it means that Power Pack is getting spread around more than just its core series. Yeah. So it's, you know, people that read the X-Men exclusively are gonna, can be kind of like, oh, hey, who's this? And they might drift into reading Power Pack and kind of, you know, increase the fandom, which is great. <clears throat> but that being said, uh, yeah, the kids sound different. And with uh, Alex, Julie, and Jack... Yeah, I get that, mm -hmm. because for the most part, they don't really have any lines, and then they were, you know, mind-changed. So when they start speaking a little bit differently and kind of sounding yeah, a little, sure, right, little more sewery and crassy right. and everything, it was like, yeah, okay, the beautiful dreamer did that, that's at, fine. At the end, they're fine. Um, 
little different at the beginning where, you know, Alex was just pining over his Disney cup. Yeah, well, uh, that actually kind of made sense to me because it even says yeah. it's just like that was kind of the one thing that I thought made me special right. that was kind of like my connection to my parents before Kate, the other kids were there. Katie was the only one that really, we could really see the difference. Yeah, she had a lot of lines and she sounded different. Yeah. In the old mind's ear, she sounded different. Yeah. It's definitely a different person writing it. I don't think it's necessarily bad. No. I, I think that they probably de-aged her a little bit in the context of where Louise Simonson had her at. But yeah. for the most part, though, I think that fairly consistent. Well, yeah, she is a intelligent five-year-old. Yeah. And I think they're kind of putting her more as a five-year-old in this, yeah. where it's just like, you know, I want my mommy and my daddy, and I'm scared, and I want the horsey guy to come back and take away my powers and get me out of the sewer. Which, and it's like, at no point did she do, you know, was she like right. that in previous sewer encounters? Because she had even said, and then I had to disintegrate icky sewer water, and it's like, yeah, but the episode before when she disintegrated icky sewer water, she's like, germs can't bug me, zip, yeah. zip, disintegrate them. It's a little bit different, though, because she is in a situation where she's a lot more scared. Yeah. She's by herself. Yeah. She just... Surrounded by strangers. Surrounded by strangers. And this is all after the initial shock of, my parents don't know me anymore. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. And they're running on a nap more than a full night's sleep, too. Sure, sure. So they're probably sure. pretty exhausted. And, I mean, all in all, this is just a very, very dark episode. This oh, yeah. is not where we started off with happy-go-lucky family. <laughs> no. This is, this, is, this is a much, much darker episode. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think going forward, we're going to see some other interactions where it does get very dark. Mm -hmm. They have a lot more things coming up that are going to really put a lot more fear in them, a lot more, you know, sadness. Mm-hmm. I know the next episode is going to be a much lighter fare, but they've got a lot more dark stuff that is coming up. Yeah, I know that... Uh, yeah, I think it starts getting darker after uh, June leaves. Or I know, no. especially after... Uh like it, around the 40s, it starts getting really dark. Right, it? but we get we get some dark stuff coming up. I know mm -hmm. that uh, episode 20, which is going to be another X crossover book with New Mutants, that one is insanely dark. But even before that, we're starting to get into an, an issue with uh, Secret Wars 2 crossover as well. Power Pack crossing over with Secret Wars 2, and there's some dark stuff that happens in there. Going to keep the spoiler warning, warnings out for the people coming up ahead. But there is some dark stuff that's coming up. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. Mm -hmm. I know that we focus more on Power Pack with this, but this is a really important issue just with X-Men being here because Kitty Pride's kind of put into her own leadership role. Yeah, they're uh, they're grooming her. Yeah. They really are, yeah. Like I said, they're... they're well, I had you say. They're rep grinding her. They're yeah. trying to level her up. They're going, let's give you leadership positions. And you know, honestly, it's not a world stake mission to put her no. into either. It's like, oh, some kids got kidnapped. But the Odds same are time, we can get them out. It's not like if we don't get them out tonight that a planet's going to blow up. It's going to be like, well, we'll come back tomorrow with Storm, and Storm will be like, what up? So, But at the same time, though, it is putting Kitty in a position where she is a field leader. She yes. is going to be, you know, making calls, and she makes a call with Wolverine, and what she says, Wolverine listens to. Yeah, he so respected the chain of command, which was it. great. I love seeing this issue, though, because the two main characters of this issue are two young women. Yeah. We got Kitty and we got Katie. Yeah. And Katie's got her own growing up that she's doing in this issue, but you've also got somebody that she can look up to as well with Kitty Pride. Yeah. And say what you will about Wolverine. Wolverine has always succeeded in one thing, and that is being a mentor figure for young girls. And he's got a little bit of this with Katie as well. I wasn't even thinking of that. And yeah. You're right. Yeah, he really is. Starts with Kitty Pride, goes on to Jubilee. Uh, I think after that was Armor, Armor. and then eventually uh, Laura, X-23. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of one of his things. It's what he's good at is that he is really good at helping to guide and mold and be a good figure for younger women. Yeah. So... Newly adopted grandparent. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's just, uh, just, you know what? Uh, just 
Yeah. After three issues of terrorizing these kids, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, will you be our adopted grandmother? <laughs> you know what? It's probably the best thing, because this lady was not going to learn. Yeah, she So was, it's like, okay, yeah. you know what? We're sorry for you. We're sorry for your loss. If this can make things better, then great. A couple things to keep in mind, though, is... That's cellular for Anna Lee as far as, okay, she's got these kids who are kind of her adopted grandkids. She still doesn't like Leech. No. And Leech is still looking for love. Yeah. And the kids made the comment of, hey, you know, maybe we'll have her over for Thanksgiving sometime. Foreshadowing. Ah. You're soaking in it. Moving on from that, breaking out the library card. Now, there's no direct books that have been called out, but I want to really quickly talk about a real big illusion that we've got here. The literary device of witches stealing children. It's been used in a lot of places throughout time. A lot of stories, a lot of folklore. In a lot of children's literatures, witches are used as a stand-in as a villain. Uh, many times they're the embodiment of a bad mother figure. They're usually portrayed as old and single and lonely and usually kind of ugly looking. And I think Annalise fits most of these. Yeah. Uh, she's not necessarily a witch per se, but she does have her own powers, which are empathy, which... That's yeah, that's a big pretty one. pretty big one there. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to note there's also stereotype of owning cats, and that there's been a cat present in a few of these stories too. Yeah. It's, it's mostly <laughs> Leech's cat, but still, it's kind of nice to see that there's a bit of a, a thread that you can pull along with that one too. The motivation is either getting rid of or gathering children, mostly for selfish reasons. Emily has definitely got a selfish reason for for getting the children. She wants to replace the ones that she's lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, more modern tales have changed this dynamic using a witch moniker to show more of an independent or strong-willed and self-sufficient woman, which I think is good. You got things like Kiki's Delivery Service, Hermione from Harry Potter, Elphaba from Wicked. So the you know modern times were starting to change a lot of that personification of what a witch is. Mm-hmm. And it's changing it from something more of the negative stereotype that's been used in the past to more of a positive one from here on out. So it's kind of interesting to see how Things like that have changed throughout time. Witches were like this in the past and used as, you know, kind of the example of, you know, what to be afraid of and what to be scared of and what is unknown. Whereas today in modern time, we have things like science and science corner, (laughs) which can explain things a lot better. <laughs> uh, I knew it was coming, but I'm like, I'm just listening to what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, okay, you're making really good points. Like, oh, you tricked me again. Right into that. You one. rapscallion. <laughs> you science corner ne'er do well. You <laughs> other fun word combinations that would make a, a laugh or a smile. Yeah, uh, yeah, we are in the science corner, which doesn't explain witches, but it does explain other stuff. This episode, Science Corner, is brought to you by the letters T and J. Or more specifically, from TJ, a longtime listener, Patreon supporter, and asker of sciencey questions. TJ says, Previously, I asked if Jack could feel anything or get hurt by anything when he's in cloud form. I love the explanation and thank you. However, I have another. Does Jack's conversion to cloud or miniature form possess a kinetic component? By that, I mean when Jack turns to cloud form, does he exert a general outward force to maintain the cloud form? If he does, then could cloud Jack be bottled and released in a controlled manner? Or more probably, shrunk to fit in the nozzle and then re-expand to pressurize the bottle and be used by Alex as a form of reusable propellant. Of course, he could also shrink to fit in the nostril of a hypnotizing snake and then forcibly expand to blow him up. I would be disappointed if you did not take this opportunity to make some juvenile cracks about squirting out jack gas. Well, prepare to be disappointed, TJ, as we self-edit many of the jokes we come up with to maintain a family-friendly show. That said, this is a great question. 
I don't think that Jack has to maintain an outward force to maintain his cloud form. We never hear him complain about it exhausting him or how hard it is to stay cloudy. But one time we have seen his cloud form put out a fire. Whether this was from the movement of his molecules or him leaving a vacuum behind, we don't know. But he was under duress when this happened and even states that he went cloudy really fast. So technically, yes, he could maybe be used as a propellant. There are a number of problems with this though. Jack is an all or nothing kind of guy. So while he could shrink to be in a bottle, when he clouds, he's going to provide one push with an indeterminate amount of force before becoming inert again. Then he would have to go back into the bottle to start the whole slow process over again. Ultimately, I don't think that the propulsion yield would be worth the effort as he would just let Alex putt-putt along. Now for the biggest and most insurmountable problem. Jack is a complainer. If he hates that he has just used his cloud cover for most part, you know that he would really hate being on a bottle on Alex's back. The last thing that anyone would want would be a weak jetpack that constantly insults you and grumbles in your ear while you're just trying to get someplace. And that's my answer to TJ's question. Hope it uh, meets your approval and liking, because that's my opinion and that's what counts here in Science Corner. Doesn't mean it's right, though. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was really good. I really appreciate that, and I'm sure TJ will as well. So let's go ahead and start off with some final thoughts. Refrigerator gallery moment. What piece of art in this book needs to be on the family refrigerator? All right, well, as standard, I have a joke one to lead in with. Bring it on. On page four, the third panel down, and I call it my Kenian nightmare. And in this panel, it has all four kids. They've just been told that their parents don't know who they are, and they've got these really, really big eyes. So... I call it Kenyan Nightmare because big eyes. If you look up IMDb's big eyes, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> Great. I'm going to do that now. Or I, could just tell you, or I could just tell you what it's about. Nope. nope. We'll leave that for the listener. <laughs> so there's my joke one. There's your joke one. All right. Since we're on this page, mm -hmm. um, I actually had the same one <laughs> for my backup. Hey. <laughs> um. I actually had... I could tell, by the way, that you wrote script stuff that you really liked this image. So I was, I, I was, yeah. I'm not surprised that it popped up in your No, no, no. Uh, I, I actually had the same one. I called this one Confused Kids. Oh, okay. Um, uh, this is my backup one. It's my Confused Children one. Now I feel like I got to go and find a different one. <laughs> no, no. Stick with it. No, I, it, it, It's our opinions. It's, it's what our, you like. And, and, and I like this one. Yes, they have big eyes, but it's also very, very expressive because, hey, look... They don't know us. Oh, my God. It's yep. a fantastic picture. Oh, it, it really is. It is, is great. It's saying it was a joke one and not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that I saw it and I'm like, nope. yeah, I can make a joke out of that. Nope, so. nope. You made a joke and it's a good joke. <laughs> my backup is on page 13 and I call it Mind's Eye Theater. Now, this is the very bottom panel. This shows the X-Men and Katie all mind linked up and it's got this cool kind of circle and flashing going in front of their eyes and it forms this little like view screen where they can see what's been happening in Katie's life and uh, I just thought it was really really cool. I also thought it was funny that uh, everybody's eyes are obscured except for Wolverine's because uh, he's where the money's at and you don't cut out that character's eyes. <laughs> but yeah I just thought that was no. really neat. I thought it was a great way of showing uh like a telepathic uh, mind meld. No. I was like, that's cool. I agree. That That is a very, very cool one. Very, mm -hmm. very cool one. So that's my backup. Let me go ahead and tell you what my top one is here. My top one is all the way on page number 19. And this one I call Wolverine in the Shadows. And it's a very cool image. It's right after Kitty Pride has given Wolverine a kiss on his cheeks and said, well, I wish there was another way. Good luck, Wolverine. And she walks off. And Wolverine, you just see kind of her foot as she's leaving the panel. He's got his 
his hands down, his claws snicked out, and because of the shadow in the background and the dark color of his suit, his suit just kind of is camouflage, or it's just fading back into the dark shadow of the background, and it's it looks cool, very it does. very. It cool looks looking. really really good. It really really does. And so, I just realized that all my numbers are going to be off by one because they use page one as uh, a <laughs> that's as, okay. As that's cover. Okay. So. Hmm. All right, and I guess that leads up to my number one pick, which mm-hmm. is on page nine, and I call it Bad Night for a Night. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the uh, New York transit policeman that's on night duty in the sewer, you know, not in the sewers, but in the subway thing, and he's just been blasted by a Powerball. And it's this great kind of like red and black silhouette of the cop just getting hammered. And he's, you know, it is just, he's like going to help Katie and she's freaking out and blasts him because she's reactionary and break things. She broke this cop and his response was, wait, so that's my number one. I just, I thought it was funny, but I also thought it looked really cool. Oh, it's cool. fantastic. Yeah, it's a good I like the image. next page where he's just sitting there like, whoa, what the heck was that? As his chest is steaming. <laughs> but so he's fine. He's just, he's going to take a knee. And in yeah. this case, just an entire back because he's just laid out flat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all so right. That, that's my number one. And I thought that was just great. So these are, nice I think these are all really good picks. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. like, I like seeing a different artist and I like, I, I mean, you've, it's an X-Men book. They got some good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to rub and gloom moment. What was the best or most childish insult? What have you got, Jeff? Well, oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. Hi, this is Hub from Tighten Up the Defense. I've been crouching down behind your credenza this whole time. Is that a credenza? I don't really know what a credenza is. Anyway, I just had to pop up and tell you that this comic has two certified instances of bozos. Once it was said by Kitty Pride talking about a news report, and the other was Wolverine mocking some doctors at the hospital. All right. Well, I'm just going to take this pie that's been cooling on your windowsill, and I'll be on my way. What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Again, what the the heck was that? So, uh, yes, I, I should explain what, what that insanity was there. Um, you see, on, on Tighten Up the Defense, Hub has got this you know, little alarm that he, or this air horn that he blows out whenever uh, certain things happen. Mostly if it's a uh, picket sign shows up in a comic book or if there's an actual bozo because they call it bozone moments. So, okay. so there's actual verified bozos in this. So, you know, I asked him to come by and... <laughs> And, and he did, and he's leaving right now, leaving a long shadow behind him. That being said, I'll go ahead and start with mine. My backup is those bozo moments on page 11, where Kitty was calling the reporter a bozo, and the backup of Wolverine on page 14, also calling the people in the hospital bozos. Okay. All right. What's your backup, my friend? All right, my backup is on page 22, and it's done by Julie. And this is after uh, Katie has said that, hey, we can have another grandma. And Jack's about to be a, a snark master, and Julie says, Jack Power, not another word. You unfeeling beast, or I'll knock you silly. So that's my backup, is uh, Julie. And I, I think you and I probably have the same one for number one. I bet you're right. Because it's pretty good, and we mentioned it already. It's uh, when... Um, Julie says, Jack Power, you're a wicked, mean, rotten, nasty, evil little beast. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that's my number one. So I think it's we're, just, it's got all of the insults right there. It has everything. It's just bravo, Julie. Bravo. <laughs> we applaud you and you alone because that was great. Yeah. Yeah, so both of mine were uh, done by Julie. Let us move on to stars and detention mm-hmm. because in every issue, we need to say who was the best kid and who was the worst kid. So who are we going to say is the worst kid? 
I'm going to say Jack just due to the very simple fact he literally did nothing at all in this uh, issue. He really didn't. Yeah. He got knocked out. Yeah. Uh, he got stuck to tape. He menaced pointlessly in the background when he was uh, mind changed. Uh, he flipped back and forth between being a cloud in panels, and that was really it. You know, I, I agree with you. I originally was going to say Alex, but then I remembered, going back to the issue again right now, that Alex did take on Wolverine. Yeah. He you also know, told Katie to run. He also he, told Katie to run. Yeah, he did some leadership I, stuff where yeah, it was like blast I, a hole in this wall instead I, of taking I'm the gonna, door. I'm going to agree with you that yeah. I think I think you are completely right. I think that that Jack he got knocked out again. Yeah, but again, again. But I'm not even faulting him for that. It's just the aspect he was basically Sir not appearing in this comic. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That is completely fair. I, I think it goes without saying that the best of this issue was Katie. Yeah, it was. It was a Katie issue. I. She did a lot. I mean, she she did a lot. Yeah. She, she did what she needed to do. She trusted the X-Men. She worked with them. I mean, really, if we went outside the kids, I think that probably Kitty Pride is the other hero of the story. Mm-hmm. But, but this is definitely a Katie story. Yeah. It was yeah. totally a Katie storyline in an X-Men book. Yeah. Now, we're going to kind of just do something a little bit different since this isn't a real power pack issue. But we want to at least identified that there was one G in this issue. Yep, we will acknowledge uh, the G count, but we are not counting it because we are going to just do uh, the G count in the core comics. So in the uh, ancillary stuff, we'll say a tip of the hat, Alex. Yes, you did G and G as well. And we'll drink because that's what we got together for. So one G and then we move on. To how we think about this beer that we're drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It sticks to the back of the throat, but it's it's, it's good. good. It um, is really good. Sometimes with some of these really thick, um, heavily alcoholed beers, mm-hmm. that they can get a little sour near the end or are yeah. very difficult to go through. I'm still enjoying this from the first sip. Yeah. I, I really am. This is still a very good beer. Now, we are both about half filled through <laughs> our, pint, our, our pint glasses here. Yeah, it is um, not a fast-drinking beer. It is no, a sipper. No, it is not. And I think we both are seeing the stars just a little bit more than tonight. Yeah, I feel a little warmer for A little warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we are going to be finishing this beer tonight, and this is quite tasty. A problem that I have with a lot of Imperial Stouts is that they taste really whiskey barrel-y. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I don't get anything other than whiskey barrel. And it is prominent in this. But oh, yeah. it's, it's smooth, and it's got other flavors in it. It's just... It's nice. Yes. It is really nice. I'm and I, I have no problem with the price we paid for this. Or I paid for this. Um, yeah, the price you paid is outrageous. It, it's quite outrageous. <laughs> but I will say this is a good beer to share with a friend Aww. on a nice night. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know the next time I'm going to buy it, but I would definitely <laughs> say that this is a. It's hard to get to a five, but I would just say a four, four and a half. Five. Yeah, four and a half. I'd say four and a half. Yep. I was thinking the exact same thing. A five is one that I would go out and buy again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I would think about it because of the cost. And I would factor that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some beers that with the cost, I would drink and I would say, yes, I will go out and spend the money again on this mm-hmm. one. But I would say this is a four and a half. Yeah, this is definitely a four and a half. It is. It's nice. And if you got money to burn uh, for uh, a then, bomber... Then come out to Portland, buy this beer, and share it with us. Yes, please do. Yeah. That's what you need to do with the money you want to bring. <laughs> yeah, if you got money to burn, then why haven't you visited our Patreon account? <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> Which you can find at uh, Patreon. Patreon.com. Yeah. Yes. Under our show name. or Under Jeff and Rick Presents. Hey, there we go. On that note, my friend, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and give... 
our final grade, our top grade. We want to evaluate this issue against the rest of the series. Yep. And now, unlike the G's, unlike the G's, we are going to take these stories, these heavy power pack stories that exist in other books, and we will put them into this list because we are ranking the stories. Mm -hmm. So that being said, we got a little bit of a list here. My suggestion is let's start at place six. Mm -hmm. Our sixth place right now is Sea Hunt. Mm-hmm. That was the second part of the... Boulder Crusher. Of the Boulder Crusher, the Snake yep. Eyes saga. The Xanthian Boulder Crusher. Yes. Higher or lower, in your opinion? You see, here's the part that I hate about the ranking system, is I don't know. I just like Power Pack and comics. Uh... Let, let me give you this, then. Yeah. If we look at the list on higher up in the list, we have another kind of kid-centric issue, and that was Kidnapped, issue mm -hmm. number three, which we currently have second place. That was the third issue of the book. That was when most of the Power Kids were taken and Jack was on his own and he yeah. had to go and save his siblings. This is kind of a comparable issue, I think, because once again, the kids were all taken and it's mm -hmm. up to one of the children to go save the rest of the children. So with that in mind, how would you think it would rank against that one? I liked uh, Kidnap better. You did. Yeah, I think so. But it is it is close to that. It is it's well written. It's got a lot of stuff going on. It connects into the uh, the better world and everything. Hmm. Okay. So below that we have underground, underground. which is the previous issue, yeah. which is uh, where they went in and were multiply kidnapped by them. I kind I think I liked underground better than this, but really? yeah, it's it's a little hard. It's a little hard. Yeah, it's this is the conclusion to Underground. Yes, it is. So did you do you, did you like the conclusion better than the the middle of the story? The other ones, I mean, they, that was the first time they were kidnapped and yeah. they escaped, and this time and they they've also been kidnapped and escaped. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little repetitive on that on that that front. But there's a but there's a lot more in this. I want to there say was. yeah, I, I want to say I, there's a lot more in this. I one. could put it uh yeah, you know, thinking about it, I could put it above underground. Okay. Yeah, I could put it in All the right. new 3. All right. So what we about are you? What's your I, thoughts? I actually was going to go above kidnapped, but yeah. I like your reasoning on that, mm -hmm. and I would say that definitely I've got this no problem at all being the new number three. So okay. we will go ahead and put X-Men 195 as the third best Power Pack story. Yep. Usurping Underground, which is Power Pack number 12. Well, now that we've ranked our comics, it's time for Kids Perspective. And that's where we ask a question or premise of the book to Rick's seven-year-old daughter and get her opinion on the book. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hi, Carrie. Hi. How you doing? Good. Are we reading a Power Pack issue today? Yes. Really? What's that called? The Uncanny X-Men. That's not Power Pack. Well, it has Power Pack kids in it. Okay, so that makes it a Power Pack story? Well, sort of. <laughs> it's I mean, just... It's mixed in with X-Men. Okay, and it's also the book I gave you to read, right? Yes. <laughs> what was your thoughts about the book? Well, like you said, it was very dark. Very dark, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. What do you mean by very dark? It had a lot of things that were a little not happy or something like that. What were some of the not happy moments? When they got those ugly faces. Yeah, that was pretty scary. What about when they woke up at the beginning of the book? Did the parents know who they were? No. Is that scary? Mm-hmm. Would you be scared if you woke up and, and we didn't remember you? Yes. <laughs> So that's what makes it kind of dark, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Who was really brave in this issue? Katie. Why was she brave? Because she ran out of the sewers just to help um, her siblings. That's right. And she got help and she brought them back, didn't she? Yeah. And who did she bring back with her? Katie and the other X-Men, except 
for Nightcrawler. He was fighting other crimes. Yep, but who were the X-Men that was with Kitty? Kitty Pride, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Rogue, and Rachel. They all had pretty cool powers, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I like that part when their eyes glowed. Oh, when, when Rachel was sharing uh, Katie's memories? Yeah. Uh, she was sharing all of Katie's secrets, and what did yeah. what did the X-Men tell her? They would help her. And they would keep her secrets safe? Yes. Yeah. Do you trust them? Yeah. Who was the X-Men that scared Katie the most? Wolverine. He she... looks scary with his claws. Yes, he does. His but... claws are the scariest part. But he also helped her, didn't he? Yeah. What was your favorite part of this book? There was really good scenes, but... Sometimes they would be a little creepy. A little creepy? Did you like the fighting? Not really. But it looks like they finally got it through to Annalise that, you know, she can't have them as kids, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What did they make her instead? Grandma. Right. Honorary grandma, right? Yeah. Is that good? Well, if I include some Morlocks, not really. Because <laughs> you don't really like the Morlocks, huh? No. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about with this issue? Yeah. What? When I saw the picture, when it was when it was like it was a dark and stormy night, I liked that part too. <laughs> Anything else then, Carrie? Nope. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Next time we'll be back with Power Pack, right? Uh huh. For now on, costumes off. <laughs> I love you, Carrie. Love you too. Shoutouts. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. Thank you to all of the positive feedback we received regarding our interview with June Brigman. She was a wonderful guest and a delight to talk to. Please remember to pre-order her book, Captain Ginger, from Ahoy Comics. I want to once again thank the Irredeemable Shag, Nicholas from Comic Reflections, and Sean. I met these guys after the last recording, like I said at the top of the show, and it really helped cement all of the love and respect and help we've received from the podcasting community. You guys have all warmly welcomed us, and it's highly appreciated. Craig M. on Twitter had some valid points about issue number seven. If only the kids or Dagger had knocked out D'Angelo, we would have been done with this storyline and issue sooner. Another five-star review on iTunes. Brithagorius says that we are the best podcast about Power Pack and beer that they listen to. Thanks! This is our little corner of the internet, and we like it. Yep, and we're glad that people like being in this corner with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we have a new post from TJ on our website. Now, you heard the science question portion out of it, but the rest of it goes as such. Thanks for a great podcast, and tell Carrie that she's the best Katie or Carrie that I know. Cindy isn't a half-bad Julie either. Jeff does a great Jack. Maybe you could get Jean-Claude Van Damme or Kira Knightley to voice Alex. You know, you know a guy your entire life, like literally, and this is the respect I get. No love for Rick. No love for Rick. On Facebook, Thomas said, Great podcast, guys. Short and sweet. I like that. That's just great. And finally, my final time I will do this plug. My sister-in-law, Nicole Chung, has a new book that is launching this week titled All You Can Ever Know, a memoir. It's her story about being adopted, her life being raised by a white couple in a white community while being Asian, and how she searched and found her birth family, including her sister, who is my wife. This is an amazingly personal book written by an amazing writer. While not a comic book, I highly recommend you all check this out. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced semi-intelligent podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present, 
jeffandrickpresent.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we're on Patreon. Search for us under Jeff and Rick Present. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We love, love you. you. Till next week, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Alien Restaurant. All music is by Kevin McLeod at agapatech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Congratulations. Hey! Yay! We started another one in the can. We did. And done. Done. That's all we do from here on out is just, you want them short? Fine, we'll do an advertisement. This has been a Power Fact installment. Jeff and Rick. Out of the land of the ice and snow With the midnight sun and the hot springs blow Reese's Pieces Oh He came from the stars To have some candy Shut him up fast Buying some for his cousins Lock, swap, a puff Shut him up fast 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 I can't even complete anything else on that side. Shut up, that's You're not going to get that image out of your mind. Turn on your iPad. It was a dark and stormy night. Seriously, lightning, rain, thunder. This ain't no smash fiction lightning round. This is the real scary stuff. So bad that all of the kids have piled into their bedroom. Into their bedroom's parent. Huh. Does your bedroom have a parent? Uh, probably. Mine doesn't. Mine was or my bedroom was orphaned as a small child. Had to grow up on the mean streets where it learned its way busking at carnies. This is the reason why I spend most of my life editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, de- <clears throat> dang it! I just coffee again. It's me. Uh, it's not you. It's me. I, I don't should probably see a doctor and go. Why do I cough and sniffle all the time? And the doctor will be cancer smoke. Now. You've forgotten all about it, because my doctor is a beautiful dreamer. And, hey, kid, <coughs> have a pack of non-filters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kid, what's ailing you? Yeah, have some American spirit and get over it. <laughs> Walk it off, son, into the sunset. Yep, Kitty is taking a course taught by Power... Kitty's line. Bada-boom. Whammo! Let's hear that sweet sound effect again. Whammo! <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that sweet but made me laugh <laughs> uh, uh, with Anna Lee mask and beautiful dreamer they're prepared to finish their collection of the power pack McDonald's collectible toys they're prepared to finish their collection of the power pack collectible playing cards they're prepared to complete their power pack mint and sewer collection of witches stealing children that's just scattered throughout all of literature and all of storytelling uh, you got Hansel and Gretel you've got well, that's the only one I can think of right now. But <laughs> a rich, robust history. Uh, let me read, let me read <laughs> that line a bit. <laughs>